sometimes we get caught up in, you know, gross and six figures. And really, if you don't know what moves the needle in your business to make revenue every single week, then it's not a business. It's more of a hobby. What's up, babe? Welcome to Boldly Courageous, a podcast created for you, the ambitious woman who is ready to take action and step fully into the life you've always dreamed of. I'm your host, Melissa Martin, and each week I will be your virtual wingwoman as you gain the tools and confidence to face your fears head on. The time is now, and this is your permission slip to live your boldly courageous life. Are you ready, babe? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. And today I have my good friend Raquel on with me. We are chatting all things money, business, pivoting, sales, mindset. Raquel is one of the most successful women I know. There's there's a handful of them. And she has just been such a light in my life. We met back in the beginning of 2020 at an event called Event Love. And Raquel found herself in a space of not really knowing what it was that she wanted to do. She started in real estate at 19 years old, built a massively successful business and found herself in a place of wanting more, not feeling happy and decided to follow the nudges and follow what felt good to really discover and find her purpose and what it was that she wanted to do. And you're going to hear more about that in this episode. But today Raquel shares so much about leadership. She is a master at building teams. So if you're somebody who is in a position of leadership, whether it's in network marketing or you run a team or a business, Raquel shares so much insight about the importance of communication and values and how to really build strong leaders within your organization. We talk a lot about how to stay focused on the numbers and know exactly how you make income so that you can create consistent revenue, but also the importance of being adaptable. Raquel managed to lose everything in 2008. And as a result of that experience, rebuilt, learned valuable lessons. And when the pandemic hit this year, she was able to pivot incredibly fast and build wealth and help others do the same. So we talk a lot about this mindset of adaptability and how to be resourceful and that there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. And then we dive into the importance of mindset around money. You guys know, I love money mindset and Raquel shares the importance of building generational wealth the importance of understanding how money works and the frequency behind it. And lastly, we tie off the conversation with something that she is an expert in, which is real estate. So if you're curious about how to leverage real estate as your overall income portfolio, if you want to build multiple income streams, if you're curious about investing in real estate, Raquel is an expert and she shares a little bit of insight into how you can start building generational wealth, utilizing real estate. Raquel Quinette is a highly sought after business coach, real estate industry leader, entrepreneur, and investor who has mastered the art of building and scaling successful companies across aspects of the wider real estate ecosystem. From co-owning real estate and mortgage companies to creating top performing teams, she's helped thousands of clients buy, sell, and invest in over 23 markets. As a business strategist, she's had a successful track record of helping entrepreneurs achieve record-breaking revenue goals, including seven-figure 
figures in one month. With over 20 years of business experience and a passion to impact more women, she's created Found Her Collective, where she gives ambitious women entrepreneurs a community where they can connect, grow, and thrive. And today she enjoys coaching and consulting entrepreneurs to the multiple six, seven, and eight figure mark. Let's dive into my episode with Raquel. Raquel, I'm so freaking excited for this conversation. You know what I appreciate about you so much is that every time we like connect, we just drop in, you know, and I feel like we've only known each other through this year, but I know that like, we've probably done this in a past lifetime. I just feel like our souls have connected on multiple levels and you're one badass businesswoman. And I'm like, I'm always inspired by you. I learn something new every time we connect and I can't wait for this conversation. So thank you for being here. I'm so honored to be here. So what is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? Um, I basically pivoted from leaving um, real estate for 20 years and re, I guess, um, putting a new identity or another like hat to, you know, a business this year and started a coaching and consulting business, which I had like no idea, pivoted to online, had no idea. And I just remember, um, you know, when I first met you was at event love, believe it or not, we were dancing on the, on the stage. And I was like, this girl has so much energy and she just flows. And, and I just could not believe like all the powerful women in there. And I was like, where have they been all my life? I've been in this corporate world or in a male dominant world. And I've gone through these leadership ladders and being the only female. And I felt like I had so much masculine energy and it was only till event love that opened my eyes that there were amazing powerful women in their feminine energy Mm, that event was like the kickoff of 2020 and we little did we know what was coming right but what a beautiful way to start the new year and get inspired and yeah I remember meeting you there and just witnessing your light and everyone was so incredible right so I love that you shared that and for context you had decided to shift out of the, like, we'll say person to person industry of real estate into doing more sales coaching, business coaching and online prior to March. So this wasn't like a pivot because you had to pivot. This was a life decision, right? So what does that look like for you? Because you, you know, you have this incredibly successful real estate business, you've proven the model. What was the reason behind wanting to take that boldly courageous action and shift online. Yeah. You know, I don't know that a lot of people know this and I don't think I've shared this um, quite a a lot. You know, when I went to event love, I was in a sabbatical October 31st, Halloween of 2019. I worked for a startup and I was the chief revenue officer for that startup like 24 hours, we were all let go. All of our leadership team was let go. So I thought, you know what, what can I do? And I just remember a mentor and an old coach basically came to me and said, Raquel, you're going to get lots of offers. And I want you to take six months to really think about what you want to do for your life. To think about, because you've built um, brokerages, you've built these teams and you've gone on planes. And I was like, go, go, go. And I was the best advice that I could have had. And I remember even going into event love, I had no idea what I was there for, but I knew that somehow that um, when I was listening to uh, Chris and Lori's podcast about 
have an event. I was like, I think I want to have an event. So maybe I should go to event love. Little did I know that I would create all these amazing friendships. So I had not worked for, I mean, when I would say work, I wasn't focused on building a team at that time. I had a network of people where I, I gave referrals to. Um, and I really just sat for six months. People asked me, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I really don't know what I want to do yet. You know, my rental income. And I mean, luckily I was, you know, I have a very supportive husband that never said, you know, it's time that you probably do something. Um, I think at times he thought I was probably depressed because he met me already, you know, in my element of real estate and building different businesses. So he's like, are you okay? You know? And I said, I think I'm just going to take these next six months off. And so when the pandemic hit, I still like didn't know. People would give me, you know, um, opportunities. And I was like, it wasn't a hell yes for me. It just wasn't, you know? Um, and I just remember going, okay, I'm just going to pray and I am just going to see what comes next. And after event love, it was fast foundations that came up next for me. And still then, um, I didn't know. I had no idea. It was a scary place. Because, you know, when you've been going in um, and building businesses for tw 20 years and, and you have no idea what to do, you're at, <laughs> you sit back and you're like, okay. And then now a pandemic hits and you're like, oh, crap. Mm -hmm. I remember consulting as like a side gig for um, a hedge fund for um, iBuyers. And those are like your biggest I was in front of like a lot of meetings with Zillow and everyone's like, you just know so much about what's going to happen in the real estate industry. And it still did not fulfill me. And I remember our investors, they were making about 70 offers at a time and that completely shut down. So it made me, I think it forced me to really just sit in it and go, what do I truly want to do? And little day by day, you know, things kept popping up and I just kept showing up. I remember having a coaching call with you and Sandy and oh gosh, thank goodness you guys were my coaches at that time. Because I think like, if we look back at my first call, I was so confused. I really just, I'm like, I, I've done this, this, and this, and I just really don't know what I want to do. And then I had no idea that like Instagram and this whole new world of online, like you could use Instagram for business or you could connect with people, you know, through social media platforms. And so I really just ended up learning about all of that through Fast Foundations. And I got on different panels um, during that time in the real estate industry. And I ended up having lots of phone calls from different people that said, Raquel, you've built things in a recession. We're scared. Um, can you help us? And that really kicked off coaching and consulting. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I just knew that whatever challenge they had, I could help them. So when people talked about like ideal avatar, or they talked about, um, you know, how to set up your boards on your feet, I had like no idea. I didn't even know what a launch was. People would talk about it. I was like so confused. And I think that one path like led me to, to the next. And I just, like I said, I just kept showing up and being really, really uncomfortable. Mm. So I love this. And what I'm hearing is a couple of things is one, you followed the nudge to just get in the room, right? Like you didn't know why, 
but you knew that something about an event or being in that container felt good to you and you trusted it and you went and you were open. And then the next step from there was getting in the room for Fast Foundation. Still not sure, but open and trusting the process and following the nudges and discernment, right? I'm hearing a lot of discernment in there about like, just because something makes you money and it seems like a good opportunity doesn't mean that it's going to bring you joy. And ultimately at the end of the day, joy is the currency that we live our lives on. Because if you have, it doesn't matter how much money you have, if you're not happy to enjoy it, right? Money can't buy happiness, but it certainly makes life easier. And the other thing that I'm hearing is that you're a really smart businesswoman. And because you had put in the work prior and laid a solid financial foundation, you, you were afforded the luxury of taking time off because you had other income streams, you had a supportive partner, and you very much intentionally, unintentionally created a container for you to explore what feels good and, you know, reimagine and tap into your gifts and follow the breadcrumbs. And here you are now, like almost a year later with a very successful coaching business, you've pivoted to this new world and you're thriving. You are in alignment. People love the work that you're doing. So there's so much value in everything that you just said and through that, through that story. So I want to talk about this idea of team building because not only in the coaching industry and what you do, you obviously teach people how to build teams, but you've built really successful teams as well. And we have a lot of business owners that listen to this podcast. We have a lot of network marketers. So from your perspective, when it comes to team building, what do you think are like the most important things that you need to be thinking about when you're building a team? Relationships. Relationships is capital. Um, I think that it doesn't matter, um, you know, how smart or how much knowledge people have when it comes to teams is once you care about your people and you can show them genuinely that they are not a number um, and they are not there to just um, accomplish the company's goals or the mission's goals. I think the reason why I've stayed in such great relationships throughout my industry and throughout all these different businesses, and it's really what helped me, I think, in the pandemic, I was able to rely on relationships, is because I cared about people outside of the objective of the company, right? When the recession had hit, I just remember um, people losing their homes. I remember people getting divorces. And I was 26 as a CEO of a company at, at, in a new environment, in a new state, had no idea. But what I knew is that at the end of the day, people need to be heard and people want to know that they, they're cared about, right? Because that actually goes a lot further than money and salary. Um, and so anytime that I remember coming home, from a crazy day because either somebody's car got repossessed in our parking lot because they couldn't afford it or somebody's house got, you know, foreclosed on during that recession. I just remember making sure like their family was good. Um, we had um, raised money for different families so that they could provide for their kids and just kind of get them on their feet. Um, I think that goes such a long way when it comes to team building and not everybody is going to like how you lead. However, if you care enough, people will always remember how you treated them. 
That is solid gold. Like, I hope you guys catch that and write that down that not everybody's going to like how you lead, but they will respond to how you treat them. That's so important. And, you know, in a business like real estate or a business like network marketing, like you don't have to work for that firm. You don't have to join that team. It's a, you're basically volunteering. I mean, you're a 1099, right? So you can choose whatever firm you want to go to. So as a leader, like you have to make sure that those relationships are solid, even if they don't resonate with your leadership style. You know, I think what will keep people around more often, like you said, is how you make them feel. It's, it's not about what you say. It's about how you say it that matters and really allowing people to receive that message. So that's so powerful that you that you shared that for sure. I think that when I look at different teams and I can go into a different um, in any company is that I always say um, when the drama is high, the culture is really low. So when you can get away from drama, you know, or when you see drama in a work environment, that culture is really, really low. Mm. I'm glad you brought up drama because having been in network marketing for seven years, working in the financial service industry for 15, all of that being sales experience, when you're dealing with multiple types of personalities, you can't avoid drama. But what you can do is like mitigate it. So from a leadership perspective, if someone is building a team and they're in a leadership role, whether it's in the corporate world or it's in network marketing and you're dealing with so many different types of personalities. How do you manage that? How do you manage drama? Yeah, I think first it's knowing, you know, who's who on your on your team, and you know, anytime that you go into a new team, is it's just like if you were playing sports. You want to know who, what like assets does every single player have? How can you best utilize their assets? And what are they weak at and how do you pair them up so that together as a unit, you guys, it's one plus one is a hundred, right? Mm. Um, and I think when it comes to drama, it's having the culture of we run to conversations and we don't avoid them. So the more that we can run to conversations, if there is something that is up in the air, I think a lot of times when there's miscommunication is when drama happens, mm-hmm. when the expectations aren't set correctly, um, or if there's any type of misalignment in expectations, because sometimes there's assumption that happens in the workplace. I thought you meant this, and it wasn't really that. So it's, I always tell my leaders and my employees or other people is that we run to conversations no matter how difficult they can be, mm. because the more that we nip it in the butt, the less drama that we're going to have in the workplace, and we're all here for, you know, one purpose or whatever it is. So how does this philosophy carry over into like your family life? Oh, <laughs> everything is that, uh, like I tell everybody, everything's always a system. So I think when it comes to family, um, a lot of people had asked me when you kept, you know, taking on these bigger roles is, you know, how did your family play a part of it? And what's really interesting is when I was ever offered any role, I was like, the person you don't need to convince is, is me. You actually need to convince my husband or you need to convince my kids. Right, because before we make any decision, let's think about you know how does this impact the family. So it was always like a family decision, especially if I was on the plane quite a lot. Um, and when it comes to you know my kids and like situations, it's you know finding out what like what's bothering you. We don't like hide our feelings. Let's get it out in the open. And what can we learn from it? Mm. 
what can we learn from it? Because there is no failure. There's only feedback. Yes. I love that quote. That's what I live my life by. I'm like, this is not failure. This is feedback. And I get to refine the process and, and repeat. And I love that. And I think that there are, I mean, communication is everything, right? It all comes down to you said one thing, I heard another, and are we speaking the same language? And that's where, yeah, there's always room for drama when we're not speaking the same language because feelings get involved and misinterpretations and expectations not being met. So as a leader, it is, I think, super important for you to not only be very conscious of your own communication style, but also your team and how they like to receive information. And that's where things like Enneagram and different personality tests can come into play and really help you as a conscious leader, like teach and educate and coach and lead from a place of awareness and connection. And that's when people really start to feel valued. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, I always tell people that just imagine everybody has a sign that says around their neck that says, I want to be loved. Mm. Right? You just never know what like their morning went. Like you never know if they got bad news and they brought it to work, you know? And so just always think of like, everybody wants to be loved and whatever they're going through at home, sometimes that does sometimes carry through the workplace and let's, you know, come from curiosity versus assumption. I love that. Come from curiosity as opposed to assumption. I think that that should be my new mantra for life because had I had I had that like three years ago, things probably would have been way easier, right? <laughs> the key to communication right yeah. there. <laughs> we always say that, right? <laughs> now, now that you have pivoted into this coaching container, right? I, I would imagine you've kind of experienced this newfound appreciation and joy and drive. So when you think about the entrepreneurs that you help right now, what are the biggest pain points that you think they're experiencing in this current environment? And what would you say to someone who has maybe had to pivot or maybe they're looking into 2021 and saying, okay, this old system is not working. What, what advice would you give that person? You know, I think when it comes to systems is that as, as the more you grow, you will change your systems because eventually it doesn't matter how much you scale a business, what worked before is never going to work when you start growing and expanding. And I learned that the hard way through startups. I learned that through a hard way through expansion, what worked in one city didn't always work in another city. Um, and so when it comes to system, be flexible and know that like you've got to adapt just like we all had to adapt in 2020, whether we liked it or not, um, through this crazy pandemic of, you know, even meeting people on Zoom or building relationships and not meeting anybody in person. You know, you, I think the biggest advice I would say is be flexible and be able to adapt in any type of environment because what you think was going to be set in stone may not always be set in stone in 2020 to, to definitely taught us that. The word adaptable is like the golden word, right? It goes yeah. right along with like being resourceful. And if you don't have the ability to adapt, I don't care who you are, like you just will struggle, right? You will find mm -hmm. yourself in the fire, in frustration, staying stuck in that cycle. And it's challenging. It's so challenging, but there's also so much opportunity right now too. Yeah. And I think that's where you had asked the question of like, you know, where are people, where are your clients you know, feeling right now. Right. And I think that there is so much information out there. And I think a lot of them get stuck in consumption and they get paralyzed in, you know, 
analyzing what's right and what's wrong. And really, I say that, you know, no matter what, just keep it moving because you'll find out along the way what you were truly meant to do. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe today it's Instagram, but maybe, you know, next year it might be Clubhouse. I don't know. You know, I mean, there's always something else, you know, and so be able to be open and know that like things may not always be what it is today and you will continue to grow. And you mentioned systems and strategies a few times. So it sounds to me like what I'm hearing on one side is you need to have a good system and a good strategy. And on the other side, you have to have flexibility and, you know, be able to adapt to changing times. So something that you're really passionate about is helping entrepreneurs scale to six figures. You have a signature course that you've created that teaches this framework for scaling to six or multiple six figures. So for, for those people that are like right on the cusp, they're like, I'm, you know, I'm close to six figures. I can't seem to get past that elusive mark. What would be maybe one or two things that they should be thinking about coming into 2021 when it comes to laying a foundation and a good framework for their business? I think it's, um, I always say that when people are getting stuck, it, it might be a lack of strategy. And when there is a lack of strategy or clarity, Um, everything becomes an opportunity. And that's how we get into these bright and shiny objects. And it can actually detour us. So I would go back to strategy um, for hitting that ceiling, because it might just be something different that, that you may need in your business. Like what would be an example of that? So if you were, let's say, you know, because I would say what got you here won't get you past your six figures. And let's say you were basically like on the cusp of, you know, six figures is, you know, I always go back to first is revenue. Um, how do you, how does your business make revenue? Is it consistent? Can it be like, can it let, can you let go? Can it be automated? Um, or are you always in this grab and grow model of, of unpredictable success? Mm. Like what are your strong pillars um, when it comes to reaching um, six figures? What got you to, you know, $80,000, $90,000, you know? And I also think, you know, when you up level, you also have to up level your mindset. And it really does start with your mindset because you can say you want to, you know, make over six figures, but if you're not ready to receive that, And I don't know if I got this from Melissa, you know, but when you're not ready to receive that, it's not going to come and you might, you know, it may come towards your way and you may overlook it because you're not ready for it. Mm -hmm. You said so much in there. That's like goal, like noteworthy, like please rewind if you guys are are listening Um, because one is the mindset piece, right? It doesn't matter what system or strategy you have in place, you're going to sabotage it if you don't believe that it's possible. And you'll always, you will grow to the extent that your mindset allows you to, right? So if you say, I want to make 120K, but energetically your set point is 80 and you've never earned past that. And there's fear around that of like, what will my family think? Or what will my friends think? Then you'll always stay at that point. But the other is really looking at the revenue. I love that you mentioned that because I know for me, when I was building my network marketing business, I didn't understand my compensation plan. I had no idea how I was making money. I just knew that I was making it. And that doesn't set you up for long-term success if you don't know how you get paid. And even now, like in the coaching industry, it's great if you make six figures, but 
like, what's the breakdown of that, right? Like think with Instagram and the online coaching space, we see these numbers and we think, wow, that must be great month over month, but it doesn't always look like that. It's one month could be 50 grand. And then for the next six months, you don't make anything. And then you have another 20 K month and then nothing. Right. So it's really about what is your value? What's more important to you that six figures or consistency month over month. So being able to look at, I love that you said, I think it was erratic income. I think that's what you said. Um, that's, that's a really, really powerful, tool for people. And especially for my network marketers out there, if you don't know how you make money in your business, you'll never be able to get to the income goals that you want. That's ultimately about providing freedom. Right. So I love that you shared that. Mm -hmm. Super powerful. Uh, I think like it's, you know, you, you brought up something that I think is really powerful in this internet or online space of people talk about six figures, but they don't talk about like what it costs, like what it costs them to make that six figures. You know, I hear about like these launches, a hundred thousand dollar launch, but you know, there was cost to that. You know, that wasn't what they really took home. There was probably advertising, there was affiliate marketing, you know, people forget, you know, to talk about net and, you know, at the end of the day, it's what you keep and you and I can jam on this all day long about net worth, right? And so um, sometimes we get caught up in, you know, gross and six figures. And really, if you don't know what moves the needle in your business to make revenue every single week, then it's not a business. It's more of a hobby mm. and a that you're passionate about. Drop the mic on that one. Let's talk about net worth for a second, because this is um, something I know for me personally in 2021 is a really big initiative for me. And you're right. Like, so what if somebody had a $50,000 launch, if it costs them $60,000 to make that 50, technically they're 10 K in the hole. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is like kind of the thing that bothers me about the coaching industry. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors around it. Like great that you are a six figure earner, but if your overhead is, very high and you're, you know, you could be in the negative, but that's not a sexy story that doesn't sell. Right. So yeah. there's a big difference between building income and building wealth. So can you talk a little bit more about the difference between the two and maybe some of the things that you've done over your career, multiple income streams to build wealth for your family? Yeah, I think there's a huge difference when it comes to building income and building wealth. And wealth comes, I think, not only in finance, but like I think you can have, I'm a big believer in generational wealth. Um, everything that I've, like every business that I've birthed it has always had some type of string to generational wealth. Even today, even the coaching space, even our nonprofit, there's always like, you know, a generational wealth piece to it. Because it's not about, you know, what you make today. It's what you leave behind. It's the legacy that you leave behind. And I'm a, such a big believer in that. And I would say that I, it didn't come for me naturally, um, especially coming in real estate at such a young age and making these big commission checks in California. Um, I had just great mentors and coaches along the way that told me that you've got to put things away for investments. But I was, you know, very young at the time. And I was like, purses, cars, you know, everything that you could think of, uh, watches. And, and then until, you know, uh, a mentor of mine named Steve Marshall said, you've got to buy real estate. And I was like, I can't even afford California, even though I was selling real estate out in California, I was 19 at the time. And he's like, I'm going to challenge you to go buy a home. And so I bought something in Las Vegas. Um, at the age of 
20 and a year later, and, you know, it was probably the best thing that I could have ever done. So I think by 26, I had like 10 properties and that afforded me, you know, my down payment for my home in my dream home in California. Ever since I was this little girl in Union City, California, I looked at this gated community and I thought, one day I'm going to live there. One day, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to live there. But it was really understanding um, about understanding building wealth. And I, I read that book. Someone gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that changed my perspective on how I valued money. And, you know, I had to go through a lot of mindset stuff because my family was very, very poor uh, when we were growing up. And so it was really awkward. I remember even coming home and telling my parents that I had bought a car and, and it was a Mercedes at the time. And, um, and it felt really uncomfortable, right? I felt almost guilty because it wasn't like I was showing off. It was just like, I felt like finally I had made it. And I finally had told them that I had bought all these houses and I was ready to go, you know, buy my next house. And, but then, you know what, the market crashed and tanked in 2007 and I lost everything. And so I remember being on top of the world and then being super humbled and couponing um, during the recession and taking a huge pay cut to move to Arizona um, and manage this office. But it taught me some of the most biggest lessons. And when this pandemic hit, I remember going back to those moments of the recession and teaching, you know, my clients and my circle of we've got to pivot fast. We've got to figure something out. We've got to let go of employees. We've got, unfortunately, we just have to if the money's not going to come in. And, um, and I just remember that, you know, as much as I learned from other mentors, I got around other people and asked them, you know, how they were diversifying their funds, how they were diversifying their money. And I just remember that I had a, this one dream of, you know, if I was ever to leave this planet, I just want to make sure that my family's taken care of and that all my godchildren um, have some type of scholarship or some type of like small, like uh, there's money set aside for them. And it's either A for college or to buy a home. And I think that's like the best thing that I could have done, you know, even with making income is understanding how you can get money to work for you. Mm. And really what afforded me to not work, you know, for six months, the beginning of this year and end of last year. And I, I think it's important to like bookmark this because in that story, you talked about, you know, going through a recession and losing everything, but what you gained was valuable lessons that you could now monetize this time around. And it's made you incredibly valuable in your space, incredibly valuable to your clients. But in the moment, it doesn't feel that way, right? It doesn't ever feel that way, but there's a lesson in it. And I know for me, a mantra that I've anchored in anytime, like my life is a shit show or like something quote unquote terrible happens is how is this the best thing that could ever happen to me? you know, and then you start to see what is the potential on the other side of this. And I think you do have to kind of grow through some resistance or setbacks in order to have that perspective and to be able to get up and dust yourself off a little bit faster. But there mm -hmm. is power in that adaptability. There's power in the pivot. And it's 
not just from a macro view of like big picture, but getting on the micro level of like, even like what you were saying earlier, looking at your business model and knowing, okay, we have this big picture, but on a micro level, we might have to make small pivots and learn a new lesson all along the way. You can't avoid it, right? Like you literally can't avoid mistakes. And I think I know a lot of business owners of people that are in the corporate world that want to start a business. There's so much fear around starting because they're afraid to make a mistake, but those mistakes are the things that teach you. Like you said earlier, there's, there's no failure. There's only feedback. So yeah, I love that. I really think that those are the biggest gifts that, that are priceless um, when you have those mistakes, right? They're not, they're, they're lessons and they're gifts that are given to you. And sometimes I, yeah, sometimes those lessons are given multiple times. And I always look up and go, okay, God, what are you telling me now that I didn't get the first time you try to tell me this lesson? Mm, so powerful. So let's talk about real estate real quick because, um, you know, I want to, I want to talk about it. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Okay. So do you think that, uh, real estate is a good investment anytime or like, especially in this market coming into 2021, my vision, I've had it on my bucket list forever. I want to buy an income property, not a multifamily, but like a small condo in my hometown. And I've just always wanted to do it to, um, one, have a place for myself to stay that's near my family, somewhere for them to stay, but more importantly, to start building net worth and have an asset that actually works for me. So for somebody that maybe is in my position, that's an entrepreneur and wants to start building their real estate portfolio, is 2021 a good time to do that? And where would you start? Like what type of properties would you begin if you want to build a real estate portfolio? Yeah, um, such a great question. First of all, I'm extremely biased to real estate over any other asset um, because I think that you can diversify it in so many different ways. You can always, you know, sell it if you needed to. You could rent it out. Um, and I say 2021. I think we're up against a lot of different things. Um, I think that when people are scared to buy, just like the recession, even though we had lost everything, you know, in the recession, and my husband was extremely nervous about buying. He's like, we just lost everything. And so, you know, we what we decided was he was going to take a certain amount of money and put it in mutual funds and stocks, and I was going to take a certain amount of money and buy real estate. Well, you know, guess what happened? You know, 10 years later, it like, it doesn't even equate, you know, and nobody was buying at that time. They were $30,000 in, in, in Arizona. We had such a big recession. Um, and so I just remember like one of my mentors saying, when people are scared to buy is when you buy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually when you go against the norm, because when people want to buy, then it's actually might be too expensive. And I think we're up against a lot of different things in 2021. We actually just got rid of a property yesterday. Well, it just recorded today. And so I have this itch um, to basically purchase um, some other properties coming 2021, because we have a lot of people that went through unemployment. And um, during the recession, I worked for, um, you know, a lot of the, I represented a lot of the banks and institutions that had listed foreclosures. And so I knew a couple months ago when an auction house called us that um, they're backlogged because people haven't been paying their mortgage. I knew it was time to start depleting some things and be ready for when these properties do come on the market um, that we get a hold of some of them. You know, we had bought properties for 30,000, 50,000. Those same properties today are 300,000. 
Wow. You know, and they're, they're cash, you know, they're cash flowing. They have no mortgages. Obviously we could, you know, refinance them if we needed to and purchase more different other, you know, other properties. But I think 2021 is going to show us in, in the real estate world, first of all, interest rates are really low. Um, we are waiting for, you know, that we're not going to have, I think the same foreclosure crisis that we did back then, but I do think that there's going to be lots of different opportunities. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to real estate, I say, get your feet wet. You know, um, if you want to buy a condo, absolutely. If you want to buy an income property, yes, just get started because when you get your feet wet, you learn a ton. And I'll never forget like asking that same question when I first bought my property in Vegas. And I remember picking out all the tiles and everything. And it was through that first property that I learned so much because one, it made me get my feet wet in owning something that I didn't live in. Um, it made me pick out different tenants. And then one day I got a call from Clark County police that it was a marijuana house. So you learn so much as a landlord. And I remember calling my dad and I was like, dad, can you help me get to this house? Because Clark County police wants to meet me. They think I have something to do with this thing. And it was the scariest thing. I mean, 24 years old, you're just like super scared. And they're like, I've like, they've paid rent all this time. And how would I ever think that? But guess what? It makes whatever like you go through always makes you stronger and smarter. Hmm. There's always options. There's always options when it comes to real estate. I love this. Okay. You're giving me all the excitement. And it, and again, what it sounds like to me is having a plan right? Knowing that yeah. markets are cyclical, having a strong plan for building generational wealth, like you were saying, and focusing on net worth is about, um, how can you make your money work for you in a way? And, um, as opposed to just sitting in a savings account or investing mm -hmm. in like handbags and experiences and things like that, there is space for that. There's room for that. Um, but there's yeah. also room to diversify your income streams. I love that you I love that you shared that. And I'm curious to it's know, a lot like, easier, I would say it's a lot easier to make experiences. Um, you know, when you have cash from a, a property and you can take a vacation and not even think twice about it, mm -hmm. you know, you're just like, okay, my tenant just paid for our vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And so when it comes to lending, like, would you say if somebody had, let's say the property was for sale for like $150,000 and you have that cash sitting in the bank, is it smart to just pay cash or would you mortgage it? I would definitely mortgage it with the interest rates today. I remember, um, you know, there was a point where I could have paid just um, all of it in cash for that one property, but instead I bought two properties same day in Vegas because a mentor of mine gave me the advice of mortgage it the write-off and you know you'll have double the benefits when it comes to your taxes i like that two for one kind of mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so valuable okay if i'm loving this i could like literally don't talk always to you. put all your eggs in one basket because if that tenant remember right. if that tenant doesn't pay at least you've got another one that's at, you know it's, it's very rare where all your tenants won't pay but we did have that situation in March right. of this year. So that was a little yeah. scary. <laughs> well, okay. So we're, and we're talking about income properties, right? With the understanding that it's tenants. What are your thoughts on Airbnb? Ooh, yeah. I, I love Airbnb if, as long as you can get away with it. Because there are some cities that do not allow it. Um, and so I am looking at that right now. Because I think that there is a loophole that I just talked to my tax accountant for. Um, an attorney. 
that I want to buy a second home and I want to Airbnb it, but I obviously will use it more for personal use. And then um, I want to take one of our LLCs and, you know, use it for mastermind. Yes. I love that. I know a couple of people that have just done that and it's a genius idea. And, you know, I, I love the idea of Airbnb because I feel like it's a little bit more predictable in terms of cash flow. And it also gives you more flexibility because you don't have to deal with tenant rights and evictions and like marijuana houses and all those things. And you get to use it if you want to. Right. So I think it all is situational. So this is so helpful. Thank you for answering all of my questions on real estate. Um, I know I'm excited. It's, it's definitely on my, um, my big vision board for the year. So we're definitely celebrating. What's that? I said, we're definitely celebrating when you get your first property. Oh my gosh. It's I've wanted this property for years. It's so cute. I'll send it to you after. Um, Okay. So if people want to connect with you deeper on mentorship, whether it's scaling their business to six figures or they want to get started in real estate, what's the best way for them to get into your vortex? Instagram is my platform that I use today, um, or that I'm more on than probably Facebook. And my handle is it's Raquel Q. I love it. Awesome. And if you guys want to check out Raquel's program, um, you can head over to the link in the show notes and use the code be bold and you'll receive $300 off of your enrollment. And that program is specifically designed to help you build out a six pillar framework to scale your business to six figures or multiple six figures. And I know firsthand that it is amazing because I've seen it and I've watched you build it and I've watched you do it. Um, You truly do walk your talk. And I just, I love and appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. Um, this has been so much fun. Like I, we, this was long overdue. <laughs> I so love you and appreciate you, Melissa. Thank you. Okay, last question. What is something that you are celebrating right now? Life, life, um, health, and, you know, just making it through 2020. <laughs> Amen. I think we can all celebrate that, right? (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And you guys, if you love this, please make sure you share it with your friends, tag us on social media. And until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life.